Welcome to Momentum Church. Everybody, it's good to be with you guys today, and I'm always excited when we start a new series. And so we're launching into a four-week series this week, or this month, dealing with emotions. How many have some emotions in here? How many of your emotions were up this week? You had some good things. Anybody, your emotions were down? Yeah, yeah, every one of us, every day, we're emotional people, every single person in this room. And so what we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks is gaining victory over our emotions, gaining victory over our emotions. And um, like my little girl, Arden, she has emotional problems. No, she just feels really deeply, and I love that about her. She's a very passionate, very articulate little thing. She's eight years old, and one of the things that she is very emotional about is going to bed in her own bed. Did, I mean, how many had kids that just would always creep into the room? Anybody? Yeah, like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, many of us. And, um, and so for years, she wants to sneak into the room. And, um, and as she's gotten older, she's eight, she'll just lay there on the floor, you know. And, um, and we don't make it easier on her, you know. It's like you just pile up, cuddle up on the, the pile of socks and T-shirts and just, you know. I ain't building you a pallet in here, girl. You just, no. But we're trying to be compassionate with her and helping her along and everything. And, um, and what's happened is my wife, a couple weeks ago, about a week and a half ago, she went away with some girlfriends to the beach. And so she was gone for four nights. And all I can think of is I ain't going to get to sleep because this little thing's going to come in every, all the, daddy, 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 daddy. So I had an idea to help her with her emotional um, issues. Sometimes you just need the right motivation, right? So here's what I said to her. I said, Arden, here's the thing. Mama's going to be gone four nights, and then she'll be home one night, and she's going to need rest when she gets back, all right? And Daddy wants to hang out with Mommy that night. So here's my thought. If you, every one of those nights, stay in your bed, at the end of that time, I'll give you $10. That's good parenting. Come on. Get... That's good parenting, right? I mean, this is a little one who has not, I don't think, stayed one night in her bedroom completely through the night ever, right? And so, like, we're going to go from nothing to five nights? This is easy. I'm going to keep my 10 bucks. That's what I thought. But guess what? That little girl made it all five nights. And I got parents looking at me like, you are a cruel daddy. And um, the next morning we were talking about it, and she was saying how I got a little bit afraid but all I could think about was, I want that $10. <laughs> and so I use as a teaching point throughout the week to where, yes, you have those emotions. I get it. That fear is real. But you have something you want more than you allowing that fear to keep you from going forward, right? And, and she was like, preach, daddy, preach. No, we didn't. it wasn't like that. But I was helping her to understand that. And as a win, I thought I had won. And so when, when my wife got back, she told Amy, she said, mama, she said, daddy's going to give me $10 because I have to, tonight, I got to, you're right, you better tonight, you better stay in that room tonight. Tonight, one more night, that's all. Tonight, if I stay in my room, I get $10 tomorrow. And so she was all excited. And Amy's like, what did you promise her? And I was like, well, this is what I, it's a creative parent, creative parenting. 
Here's the thing, though. She has a weakness. There's an emotional response to going to sleep. There's a fear there. I get that. And that weakness, Daddy is trying to motivate in her to let her realize there's more, something more in you than what you're feeling. You, you, there's a resolve you can dig into that is more than just your feelings. You can have victory over your feelings. You just need to have a little bit of motiv- motivation, you know. And so I want to ask you, today we're going to be looking at I feel weak. How many of you ever felt weak? That emotion of just... I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I can do this. I feel weak. What is your weakness that's keeping you from walking in God's best for you? What is it? What is that weakness that's keeping you from walking in God's best for you? And I'm just going to believe this. I'm believing that when you came in this room today, there were some things, some weakness, some things that might burden you. There's some things that you came in this room with them on your back. And I'm just going to believe that as we leave today, they're going to, you're going to leave here not with those things on your back. You're going to leave her with those things under your feet. Amen. That's my hope, that's my prayer, that we'll be able to get some principle from God's word today that will help us to get past ourselves to get past our weaknesses, to get to that place where we know Daddy God, Father God, knows we can make it. He knows we can get through the night. Amen? And so I'm hoping today in our teaching that we'll be able to get some principles that will help us with that. You see, getting past your weaknesses and feelings of inadequacies, it's always going to be a tough fight. It is. It's a tough fight. And every single one of us in this room, we're in that fight. We fight. Emotions are a battleground. If you got a two-year-old, you know that. It's a battleground. And we have to realize that the Christian life is warfare and that we are in enemy's territory when it comes to dealing with and maintaining our emotions. When I say that we're in enemy territory, guess what Satan's primary weapon is when it comes to playing around with your emotions? It's a lie. That's the primary weapon. My little girl laying in that bed, there is no reason for her to be afraid of anything. Amen? Daddy got a gun. Amen? There's a lock on that door. Amen? I mean, like, there's no reason for this little girl. But she believes a lie. She lays in that bed and sees things that doesn't exist. She lays in that bed and hears things that don't exist. She lays in that bed. Amen? Now, Grant is a different story. He had a reason to be afraid because he lived in the basement. (laughs) And the previous owner of our home died in that house. And when he was younger, I, was, I messed up. I told him, I said, you know how when you go downstairs and it feels cooler in the basement? It always feels cooler when people have died somewhere. <laughs> that boy was 17 years old before he stopped sleeping in my bedroom. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But he was, he was, old, he was about 14, 13 when I told him that. But it, did, it, freaked, it freaked, I'm not a good parent, guys, I'm not. <laughs> but... Satan's primary weapon, though, just like in Arden's little mind, it's, it's a lie. And he is committed to causing you to be deceived, to try to cause you to believe the lie. He, he's going to try to deceive you and tell you that you are not what, in fact, you are, and that you cannot do what, in fact, you can. That's how the enemy works. He loves to play on your weaknesses. That's why Satan will try to persuade you that you're a failure, I'm weak. I'm a failure. He'll try to tell you you're a fool. I'm not smart enough to do what I'm doing. He'll tell you that you're of no use to God or others. The enemy will come and lie and say you're worthless. He'll say you're an embarrassment. The enemy will lie and he'll come to you and he'll tell you that you're just wasting your time in prayer. God isn't listening. 
It's a lie. Manipulating emotion, manipulating weaknesses within our minds. The enemy loves to play by lying. You are so inferior to others. That mama is such a better mama. That daddy is such a better daddy. That lawyer is such a better lawyer. I mean, nobody better than you. That realtor, whatever it is, you're inferior. You're less. The enemy would love to play with your emotions. He, he would t- tell you that you'll never change. I'm so weak, I can't keep from drinking. I'm so weak, I can't keep from, from, from sexual things I know that I shouldn't be walking into. I'm so weak, I can't keep from financial things that I keep getting myself bound in. I'm so weak. No, no, no. But he'll lie to you and say, yeah, you'll never change. You're destined to always fall short of your goals. You are a victim of your past. Or you're helpless to change your future. Both. And with all that in mind, guess what? I don't know about you. This is how the devil lays, lays in my heart. With all that, kind of, all that emotion, all that stuff, you're a pathetic excuse for a Christian. How many ever felt that way before? Like, uh, I mean... Can I tell you right now, apart from the blood of Jesus, we're all pathetic excuses for Christians, amen? None of us are there yet. But today I want to look at some scripture. Let's turn our Bibles to Judges, Old Testament. Everybody shout, Old Testament. Say it like that, Old Testament. We're going to go to chapter 6. Now here's the reason why it's so important for us to get word in us. It's so important for us to understand these principles so that we can replace that lie with some truth. Because that perception of us is powerful. Neil T. Anderson said it this way, no person can consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with the way he perceives himself. Well, no wonder the devil lies so much about what you're not when God already tells us in the word who you are. He wants us to perceive ourselves less, perceive ourselves as weak, and then walk in that weakness. And so I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to start with Judges chapter 6. And um, we're going to go looking at the story of a man by the name of Gideon. I, I lit on him a little last week just when I talked about the blowing of the trumpet. And, and I just, I feel like his life really helps us to see this, these principles I want to bring out today. And so Judges 6, 11 through 13, I want you to say this. And I, I'm hoping that when you say this right now, this will be the last time. I'm going to say this will be the last time you'll ever say this. I, 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 it probably won't be. You'll have to fight yourself. But I want you to say this. Say, I feel weak. Okay. I'm hoping that's the last time. I hope that we'll learn to replace those words with other things from God's word. Amen? But that's, I feel weak. I'm going to say it right now. Well, you're in good company. The Midianites are a group of people that had subjugated the Israelites. And the Israelites are living in fear. Their produce is becoming mostly the produce of the Midianites. Everything, the works of their hands, is to benefit others. They're not enslaved, but they're in their own country being used. And that's where we find Gideon, Judges 6, verse 11 through 13. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? 
But now the Lord has forsaken us and has given us into the hand of the Midianites. Jesus, I ask over the next few minutes, Lord, that you would just teach us, speak into us, Lord God, and help us walk out of this place, just allowing those lies to go under our feet. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seats. So a few things here. We see this power that is causing Gideon to feel weak, feel so weak that he is threshing wheat in a wine press. Did you catch that? I don't know if you ever saw that before. He, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You thresh wheat on a, a, an open area so that when they throw it up, the wind can blow through and knock the chaff off the wheat grain and the grain falls to the ground, to the threshing floor. But he's not doing what he was supposed to do in the place he's supposed to do it. He is living a different way. He's operating constrained. That's what weakness will do to us. He's causing himself to live in such a way where he's still trying to meek out some grain. I'm not telling you as a believer, you're not still trying to walk after Jesus. I'm just telling you that when we become weak and we feel weak, and we allow the enemy to win in that area, we will get what we have, but it'll be such a fight to get it. So he's in a wine press. He's in a hidden spot, and he's threshing wheat in a wine press because he was afraid, it said, of the Midianites. He didn't want them to see what he was doing. And so he is fearful, and he's hiding in this moment. He feels, everybody say weak. What I love about that, in the midst of him feeling weak, guess who shows up? It says the angel of the Lord. Some will say when you see the word angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's actually a Christophany, which means it is a representation of Jesus pre-carnate before he was in the flesh. And so I like that. I like the idea that no matter what you're going through, we can see that Jesus will show up right in the middle of what you're going through. That thing that's caused you to feel weak, he'll step right in the middle of that. That lie the enemy is speaking over you, he'll come and step right in the middle of it because he's got a plan to bring victory to you. And so we can see Jesus is showing up. That angel shows up while Gideon is beating out these things, this this wheat in the the, um, um, wine press. And so I can see a few things, four things I want to go through real quick with us today that I can see that we can pull out of this if we're going to have victory. Can I give you a little cliff note version of this? They win. Amen? For it to be so easy. But let's watch. It wasn't easy. Okay? But there's some things we can see. The first thing I want you to know, if you feel weak, you've got to get a vision of who God is again. That's the first thing. If you feel weak, get a vision of who God is. And 19, verse 19 through 21, so Gideon went into his house and he prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. So in other words, he has this guest sitting out here and he's going to go and meet this guest with a blessing, all right? The meat he put in a basket, the broth he put in a pot and he brought them to the man under the terebinth tree and presented them. (coughs) And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And so he did it. And then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. That's, that's, a, that's a dinner party right there. That's fun. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. 
And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there, and the Lord built an altar there. And to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. And so what I want you to see in this here is that as he went before he brought this gift to, this, this, to, to the angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord showed up and showed himself. You know, showed that powerful moment of his presence, his power, that idea of that fire coming down, that, that he got a fresh revelation in that moment of who God is, of, of what is going on here. Yes, I've been hiding, I felt weak, but God is, ooh, something's happening in my life right now. The Lord of peace is what he labeled this, this, this moment. The Lord of peace has shown up. Man, when you have peace, that weakness is dispelled. But we can see it coming from a place of communion, a place of connection, a place where he brought what he had to the table, and then God showed what he had in that moment. I like how Charles Spurgeon says, if we are weak in communion with God, we are weak everywhere. So listen, you may feel weak, Keep coming with what you have to the presence of the Lord, and God will show up. You may feel like, I don't know when he's going to show up. He may tell you to do some weird stuff. Put the meat on this rock. It's supposed to be in a bowl, sir. Pour broth on top of it. That's not how you eat soup. God will tell you some things sometimes. But get a vision of who he is and be okay with that, you know? And then that fire showed up and God showed him who he was. And so if you're weak, get a fresh vision of who God is. I believe you can get that fresh vision of who God is when, you, when you're in his presence. I'm going to push this so much this year. We need to be more aware of his presence, amen? You need to pull and make time with God in mind every day. Time with God in mind often, amen? You feel weak? Make time with God in mind and get a vision of who he is, not who you are. That's the first thing. Who is he? Second thing, if you feel weak, get a vision of who you are. Amen? You, I'm not, my dad used to say, you're some kind of somebody. And he looked at me and shake his head. I don't know if that was good or bad, but boy, you're some kind of somebody. You, know? you are, though. You're some kind of something. God, God has a plan for you. Get a vision of who you are. Watch Judges 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And whenever I read that when I was a kid, all I could hear was like, like that, You talking to me? Like that voice, You talking to me? Greg, you could do that a bit. Perfect. Perfect. You talking to me? Like, like he is threshing wheat in a wine press, and this angel is declaring, I don't see you as fearful. I don't see you as weak. He's saying, oh, you mighty man of valor. That's the word of God over his life. God is saying, I see who you are. You've heard me say before, you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You're the righteousness of God. You're the seed of Abraham, amen? You're God's elect. That's who you are. And so he, in this moment, is being called by the angel of the Lord. Jesus is saying to him, oh, you mighty man of valor. And I just want to tell you, you may feel like you're talking to me, God. That's who I am. Yes, that is who you are. That's who you are. And so what happens in light of who he is, he starts to, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to do something here. And so that night he ends up going and he takes a, a bull and he, he goes up to where his people, 
that whole community had switched from worshiping God. No wonder they're in the bondage of the Midianites. They had switched, and they were beginning to worship one of the Balaam, one of the Baals. And so he goes up to the high place. He takes the bull. He tears down the altar to Baal. There's an Asherah pole. What an Asherah pole was, it was a pole they would stick in the ground as part of their worship to a pagan god. And it had carvings and various things on it. And they would stick that pole in the ground. And so he tears that up. He breaks the wood up from the Asherah pole. And he's actually going to use that for making his altar here in a second, right? And I can see a couple things there when we're dealing with this stuff. If we got to get a, a, a kind of a fresh vision of ourselves, we got to look in our hearts and go, okay, what idols are we allowing to stay in? Is the reason why we're weak? I can't get victory over this, all right? Is there sin in our lives? We got to be honest with ourselves. I can't get victory over this. Is there voices in our lives that we value more than the voice of the Lord or the voice of spiritual people in my life? What, 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 what idols have to come down? If we're going to walk in victory, we've got to get a vision of who we are. And sometimes realizing who we are, man, there's some stuff that we're messing up with. Amen? There's some lies. Maybe that's just the lies that are over you, that you had bought into. Not, not, or maybe it's sin that has been pushed upon you, people telling you who you are. But that's not who you are. But they're lying to you. And it's become an idol. What I mean an idol is you focus on that more than you focus on God. You'll never amount to anything, and that's what you focus on. Amen? That can be like an idol. And so he's tearing down the Asherah pole. Now, remember, the Asherah pole was a pole that was stuck in the ground. In that Jewish culture, the idea of something stuck in the ground, there's significance to that. In other words, it had place. They had given place to the demonic spirit of this Balaam, and they had stuck that in the ground. They're claiming ground for that demon. I'm not here to preach to you about demons today, amen? All I'm saying is, as we look in our life, what ground are we letting the enemy have? What lie are we allowing to take root that we need to tear up? What lie are we allowing to become the idol, the thing we focus on, that we need to destroy, amen? And I don't know what that is for you, but I want you to get that in your mind because it's part of knowing who you are. Part of knowing who you are is the mighty man of valor that you are, the mighty woman of valor that you are, but it's also what stuff do I need to deal with in my life? And so he ends up taking that, all that stuff, makes an altar, and then he slaughters that bull, and he builds an altar before the Lord. And um, the thing about this is, um, I love this. Watch what happened, because you're like, man, how bold of him. No, no, not really. Watch this. Verse 27, Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. I love that. I like that our hero isn't getting to his victory like in one fell swoop. You know what I mean? He's like, like, I can't do that in the daytime. The people of the city, they love the Baal. They love the Asherah. They love all, this is what we do. I can't do this. They'll come against me. But he still did it anyway. He just did it at night. Or did it, yeah, did it at night. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, I think, speaks to this. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Watch this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon us. So he felt weak, but he still walked out what God was telling him to do. He felt afraid, but he still did it. He just did it in a different way. Not saying that was great, because next thing you know, he gets a little more courage. He keeps stepping up and responding to the word of God even more quickly and more boldly. What I'm trying to say is if you feel weak, move forward 
Anyhow, all right? If you're feeling weak and you have to do something and you feel fearful or weak about it, do it scared. Does that make sense? If you feel weak and you're all worrisome, I don't know if I can, do it worried. I, I, I feel weak. I don't know if this will accomplish anything. Do it doubtfully. Does that make sense? Move in faith doubtfully. <laughs> Just that sense that, man, that's what I see here. I see him going, I, I know I need to do this. I need to tear this down. I need to make an altar before the Lord. You know, I, 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 that's who I am. I am a mighty man of valor. I'm just not quite there yet, but I'm going to do something. Amen? So if there's weakness in your life, do something. Take that next step. Watch God meet you on that journey. Amen? And so what happened was the men rose up in the morning, man. They saw the altars of Baal tore down. They saw the Asherah cut. They saw all those things that were happening, and they want to know, who did this? They were upset. They come and find Gideon's dad, Joash, and who's done this, you know? And they're coming against them. And they wanted to know. And Joash just told him, look, if your bales are real, let them contend for themselves. But if they're false, this is basically, he's like, this is a mute subject. Leave my son alone. But if they're real, well, guess what? Obviously, they didn't build themselves back up. The Asherah pole burnt in the fire of God, and it stayed burnt. And so what happens is the men begin to rally. I love this. They begin to rally around Gideon. And you need to know, when you take the right steps forward in the face of your weakness, God will meet you on the journey, and he will begin equipping you. He felt weak. He stepped out. There was fear. There was reason for fear. People started to come against them. In the middle of the journey, God is starting to meet them in this moment. And in verse 33 through 35 is where we find ourselves. Now all the Midianites... And the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan, and they encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Watch this, verse 34. I love this. All these enemies are all coming. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. I need to just stop there. I just need to stop right there. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Why? Because he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a man with weakness. Guess what bridges the weakness? The anointing of God. Guess what bridges the weakness? The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's not an accident that it says that Gideon was clothed, just like in the New Testament. It says that they're endued with power. That that endowment is a clothing of power. It comes upon them, a covering, if you will. And so now God is meeting Gideon at the point of his fear, the point of his weakness. He's stepping out, and God is meeting him in the middle of that, and now God is starting to put his spirit on him and to clothe him. And he sounded the trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, throughout the land, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali, and they all went up to meet him. And so we can see here that he was weak, but as he began to know who he was, the resources started to follow. As he began to rise up and realize who in God he was, and that anointing came upon him, the people started to follow. And so do it weak. Do it afraid. Do it, do it doubtful, as I said. Move forward anyhow and watch the resources begin to match up to what God is saying. Third thing, if we feel weak, we have got to get a vision of what God is saying. Get a vision of what God is saying. <clears throat> Can I ask you this? Are you sure of the word of God over your life? I'm not saying you believe it all the time. 
you read something and, man, that's for somebody else. I just don't know if, that's, if I can buy that for myself. I, I get that. It takes time in the word. It takes time meditating upon scripture. It takes time hearing his voice to start to believe it for yourself. It does. How many's read the scriptures before and you thought of a friend? Oh, they need to hear that. And now that works sometimes with things that we need to change, but we'll think they need to hear that. But also, how many's read scripture at times where you read it and you're like, man, my friend needs to hear this. That's going to be good for them. But you know you're struggling with the same thing, and it's hard for you to believe it for yourself, but you can believe it for somebody else. Yeah, we've all been there before. And so we've got to be sure of God's word over our life. Um, but the only way to be sure of God's word is to know his word. So I would say meditate in his presence, but also meditate in his word. Get his word over your life. In Judges 6, verse 13 through 17, And Gideon said to, the, to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he's given us into the hand of the Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian, do not I send you? And he said, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. You shall strike the Midianites as one man. Ooh, there's the word of the Lord. You're going to do this. You're going to accomplish this. But what I want you to see in this is this. <clears throat> please, my Lord, if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened? Aren't you the one that did wonderful deeds in Egypt? And then he goes on, but now you've forsaken us. There's two things happening. There's a fight between words. There's the word of the Lord. God, you accomplished so much, but this is what I'm experiencing now. There's a fight. He's got to be reminded of the word of God in his life. And the enemy is trying to cause him to think about everything that he's doubting. Think about the negative part, the, the, the things that are being lost or feel like they're being lost. So there is a battle in the scripture that we're seeing between doubt and faith there's a battle in the scripture between flesh and spirit. I am the weakest in my clan. Yeah, in your flesh. My dad would always preach, yeah, on your, on your mama's side. But on your daddy's side, you're not weak. Amen? On your mama's side, you're afraid. But on your daddy's side, you have boldness. On your mama's side, you have doubt. But on your daddy's side, you have faith. On your daddy's side, there's strength, amen, and ability. On your mama's side, you tore up on the floor. Up. Yeah, and so we can see this fight here. And in verse 17, and he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that is what is who you're speaking, that you're speaking with me. And I love this because God is okay with you testing him, Amen. Like you hear the word of God and you're trying to learn that word. You're trying to live that word out. Man, live the word out. Test the word, if you will. And so he does this. He takes a fleece, a piece of, of lamb's wool, and he lays it in the field. And he says, God, if this is the word on me, if this is what I'm supposed to do, when I wake up in the morning, let that fleece be wet and all the ground around it be dry. The next morning he wakes up and it's exactly like that. He takes that fleece and he wrings it out. He rings out some of, more, some of his doubts. He rings out some of his weakness. He rings out some of his fear. Some of y'all need to ring some stuff out, amen? He rings out those things. But guess what? He ain't quite so sure yet. <laughs> I love that. In verse 39, then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. 
Please let me test just once more with fleece. Please let it be dry. So now he wants the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. And guess what? Come morning, the fleece is dry and the ground is wet. And so he felt he knew this is the word of God over him and that he's supposed to move out with the word of God. Can I tell you right now, sometimes you just need to test God regarding his word. It's all right. God, you say that I can do this and I'm just going to test you. I don't trust my own strength, my own abilities, my own, but I'm just going to step out. Just test him. I know we use that scripture all the time for tithing. You know, test God in this, bring your tithes into the storehouse, see if he won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. I know we use that for tithing, and it's good for tithing. But I think anytime you feel that tear between flesh and spirit, doubt and faith, that's a moment when you can test God. That's a moment when you can put your flesh into subjection and say, no, 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 you know what? He says I'm a mighty man of valor. I'm stepping out in this. Well, I don't know if I can walk in that new opportunity at work. I feel so weak, so fearful, so inept. Guess what? You can. You can. And test God by stepping out. Test God by going forward into what God has for you. Arden did that last night. Arden did it last night. She, she came to daddy. She's done really good. And last night she came to daddy and she's like, daddy, I, my imagination is just bad. She's eight. And um, the one of the most emotionally astute people I've ever met at a, as an eight-year-old. And she's like, it's so bad. And I go, what do you mean? She's like, I, just, I think so many things, and I know they're not there. And, and in that moment, she's coming to dad. I felt like she's testing dad. I got to give her something. The $10 worked, but I got to give her something else. Amen? Well, pray for it. We have prayed. Amen? I have laid hands on her. I have cast demons. No, dude. We have prayed. But in that moment, something popped in my mind because her imagination is so good. And I thought, you know what? What the enemy is trying to use to defeat her, let's take that weakness and let's test God with it. Because what the enemy is trying to use to defeat her, I believe God can take those same things. If we're perfected in our weaknesses, I think God can perfect my little girl's sleep from her weaknesses. Come on. So I said, Arden, do this. Go in the bedroom, and I want you to get a picture of a field. And while you're laying there, use your imagination and dream of a, think of a field. And now you like butterflies. There's lots of butterflies in the field. Count how many butterflies you're seeing. Then begin to think about one of those butterflies. Let your mind focus in on that one butterfly and get it really close in your imagination. And begin to look at what colors it has. What, what, does it have little fuzzy legs? You know? And we just kind of painted a picture. So this morning, I, I usually leave before they're all up on Sunday mornings, and she comes down the hallway, and she goes, Daddy, she's like, that butterfly thing worked. <laughs> now, obviously, later on, I'm going to teach into her. Guess who gave you the power of your imagination? God did. And I'm going to teach into her. That's a gift, and the enemy would love to use it as a weakness. I'm going to use, I'm going to set her down and teach this whole message to her. No, but I'm going to use that. Does that make sense? And so the word, she was testing dad. Daddy, do you have something for me that I can apply that'll help me? Yes, daddy does, but you have to apply it. When it comes to the word over your life, what is he telling you to do? What are you seeing in his word? You apply it even if you feel weak. And guess what? He will accomplish it out of his strength and his ability. The final thing leads out of that. If you feel weak, number four, get a vision of what is possible. What's possible? That area of weakness, what would it be like if you did overcome that? What's that look like? What's possible? What's possible even in the face of fear? What's possible in the midst of insurmountable odds? What's possible even in light of past failures? 
And so we see Gideon, he was hiding out. And God calls him a mighty man of valor and begins to show him what's possible. I'm going to use you as a judge. I'm going to use you to bring victory over the Midianites. Me? Yes, I'm going to use you. He begins to test the word. God begins to prove himself, showing himself who he is, showing Gideon who Gideon is. And now he's stepping out on that word. And next thing you know, God tells him something that's so powerful. All these people have come to him. There's 32,000 of them. And I love that God just is like, that's just too many. That's just too many. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying my own hand has saved me. That's too many. You got too many to be victorious, truly victorious. In other words, you're relying too much on your strength and not his ability. And so he told them, Gideon, to tell the people, if you're fearful, go home. And 22,000 people left. I mean, think about how he had a feel as a leader. Oh my gosh, I thought they had buy-in. I feel weak now. And so I'm ready to go. And then God speaks to him. No, no, that's too many. He says, take him down to the water. And everyone who laps water like a, a dog and puts their head down in the water, send them home. The ones that take the water up with their hand, because they're alert, they're still looking, keep them. And that 10,000 people goes down to, um, to 300 I think I missed one. No, no, I was right. Yeah, that 10,000 goes down to 300 people is all. And so just remember, even in the face of diminished resources and overwhelming odds, God was able. 22,000 of those people returned, 10,000 remained. Then it went from that down to 300. But then what happened in Judges 7 through 9? That same night, the Lord said, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. I've given you this battle, this victory, this win. It's possible, no matter, it looks like insurmountable odds. It is possible, even if you feel weak, God can get you through that. That same night, I love this saying, my own weaknesses make me shrink, but God's promises make me brave. Spurgeon said that. Just that idea that I can hold on to what his word is telling me. And then in Judges 7, verse 20, I'll finish with this. Then the three companies, it was just three companies, just 300 People, they blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And every man stood in his place around the camp and all the army ran. And they cried out and fled when they blew the trumpets, the 300 trumpets. The Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. We can see that the impossible was accomplished as they managed their emotions as he managed his emotions and got past his weaknesses god was allowed to show forth god's strength in the midst of it and so our prayer much like david who needed to manage his emotions psalms 144 our prayer should be blessed be the lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle he is my steadfast love and my fortress my stronghold and my deliverer my shield and he is in him who i take refuge We need to be like that, finding our refuge in him when we feel weak and moving forward with a vision of who God is, a vision of who we are, a vision of what his word is saying for us, and a vision of what he can accomplish. And if you feel helpless, David Jeremiah, he said it this way, if you feel helpless, you've become eligible for the assistance of God. It's all right that you feel like, you're talking to me? I'm not a mighty man of valor. Yes, you are. You just don't know it yet. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now,
I just ask that my friends that are here, if there is those fears and doubts, those weaknesses in their lives, that, Lord, this week they would take those steps forward, Lord God, to know you, to know themselves, to know your word, and to believe what is possible from you. And replace that defeat in their lives, that weakness in their lives with the victory of overcoming their emotions. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.